0: This is Alyssa Campbell for Fantastic Forum. In the heyday of my Disney princess phase, Ariel and Belle were tied for my favorite princesses. Belle liked books, and Ariel was a mermaid. Those factors alone put them leagues ahead of other princesses, even Aurora who was the only one that had a famous ballet. In terms of live action princesses, the 1997 Cinderella with Brandy was at the top. Tiana entered the picture in 2009, but I still held a soft spot for Ariel and Belle. That was until I was exposed to the internet. And on the internet, the hot takes tell you that Beauty and the Beast is an excellent portrayal of Stockholm Syndrome, and that Ariel gave up her unique qualities for a man. I was 15 and had no media literacy, as well as being deep into my not-like-other-girls phase, and I ate it up. Now, eight years later, I look at those criticisms with a large amount of disdain. I got over my not-like-other-girls phase, and landed squarely in my, yeah, I like princesses, who cares, era, and the animated Little Mermaid became my comfort movie. I would tell anybody who would listen about how Ariel just wanted to go on land and expand her worldview, how Ariel wanted to learn and explore and was chafing against her strict father and that she was also 16 and that Eric was really just icing on the cake, and you get the picture. When the live-action Little Mermaid was announced, I panicked. How was Disney going to appease all those who agreed with terrible hot takes online? And then casting was announced. And I cared. I cared a lot. Halle Bailey as Ariel was one of the best parts of the movie for me. I still worried about the live actionness of the movie and its impact on the bright, colorful underwater world. But all that took a backseat to one singular thought. I have to see this movie. The movie opens on a scene of Prince Eric's sailors trying and failing to harpoon a mermaid, which Prince Eric reveals is actually a manatee. This opening scene was the worst scene for me, as I felt it opened the movie with an incredibly dark tone that did not carry over to the rest of the movie, thankfully. The sailors reference a coral moon and classify Triton's daughters as sirens, which I thought was an interesting choice. Unfortunately, the siren aspect of Triton's daughters is not explored, save for their voice, which explains how Ariel was able to save Eric after he drowned and why he's so obsessed with her. I thought this was a misstep, because they didn't explore any of these darker themes within the movie. It felt like they were hinting at something darker, but ultimately left it alone as this is a children's movie. I was glad that they didn't, but I wish that they cut these completely since they only served to explain insignificant questions left during the animated movie. The updates made to songs went mostly unnoticeable for me, because each new set was stunning. There is one new song, Scuttlebutt, which entertained me but was very much evidence of Lynn manuel Miranda's work on the movie. They did take out songs Daughters of Triton, which I did not miss, and Les Poissons, which I did. Ultimately, though, the songs that remained retained their iconic nature. The CGI for characters in The Little Mermaid was a little lacking for me. The emphasis on realistic CGI made the animal characters lose a little bit of their personality because they couldn't be as expressive as they once were. The CGI for the sets, on the other hand, blew me away. We get our most impressive use of CGI in the under-the-sea performance, which was also created with the help of the Alvin Ailey Dance Company. Every bit of underwater scenery conveyed its meaning perfectly. The ship graveyard was menacing, the reefs were beautiful. Colleen Atwood, the costume designer, deserves rays. raise. When the camera panned over to Ariel's sisters, I teared up. They were gorgeous. The land costumes left a bit more to be desired, but they were practical. They just didn't blow me away like the mermaid designs did. We do not get a Princess Diana look-alike wedding dress, which I mourn, but the mermaid designs make up for all of that. Jacob Tremblay as Flounder did a fine job at making up for the loss of animated expression, and David Diggs gave a solid performance as the Jamaican crab Sebastian. Aquafina also did her best as Scuttle, but I'm not a fan of Aquafina and the qualities she brings to her characters. For the actual face characters, I was blown away by the depth now added to the human characters, like Grimsby and Queen Selina. I enjoyed the changes to the script to give a bit more emotional weight to these characters, and I thought that Art Malik in particular did an excellent job embodying these additions to his character. Queen Selina could not be compared, as she was entirely new, but I enjoyed her similarities to King Triton in the way they parent their children. It was a welcome addition, and Noma Duzweni did an excellent job. I was very taken with Jonah Howard King's performance. I felt that Melissa McCarthy did her very best Pat Carroll impression, which was nice, but I didn't think she added anything new to the role. Javier Bardem added a menacing aura to King Triton that I enjoyed. And of course, Ariel. Hallie Bailey gave a wonderful performance. Her singing was on point, her expressions were wonderful. Halle Bailey took not being able to speak and did an excellent job through her facial expressions, which served to capture Ariel's curiosity in a perfect way. Ariel's character is not changed between movies, and she still strives to learn and grow. Overall, I loved the movie. The missteps were small, and I barely noticed the over two-hour runtime. This might be a hard experience for any young children, but I enjoyed the added depth to the movie. I cried really hard at the end. 10 out of 10, No notes. Alyssa Campbell for Fantastic Forum. Fantastic Forum airs from 4 to 5 p.m. on Saturdays on WERA 96.7 FM in Arlington, Virginia.